Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. My name is Jake Donaldson and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie, the quiz winner, Church House, and Nathan, loser boy Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. Okay. That was two, that was weak, two points. weak even by your yeah. standards. Two, two, two points, one, better than you, two, only lost to Maddie by one point. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we're all quite close, but don't go trying around loser boy, yeah. lest well, you be burned. A way to start our Donaldson. second year of podcasting by <laughs> just like <laughs> trying to drag Nathan, even though Nathan beat you at the quiz. Ay- I, know. I like how one thing I've noticed in producing that episode that um that we've had last week is um the the level of like niceness towards each other like decreases pretty <laughs> pretty rapidly after the first couple like the first couple of episodes we're, we're just being polite and nice with each other because it's like you know let's let's get on uh, and then and then not long into that We've learned what kind of people we're all are. We're like, all right, Donaldson, fuck you, <laughs> and so on. Yeah, for listeners who might not have heard it, last week was our um, first birthday podcast, um, and we played a quiz, uh, and Nathan lost, and Maddie won. No, and no, I convenient, and I, I conveniently uh, formatted the quiz so that I didn't have to take part, uh, <laughs> and therefore have saved myself from Jake embarrassment. Lost. Because Jake lost, he did yeah, because Jake got two on the TV. Show show version of the quiz that that, uh, <laughs> that we did so you know like but that's all in the past that's 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 so last year that's so uh <laughs> so first year of, of red shirts podcast uh we're a new year this episode is a new start it's uh, the first episode of our second year of podcasting and we're starting with a bang by looking at uh, the di- the deep space nine episode our man bashir uh which is weirdly good and bad and funny and terrible at the same time it is all things to all men it is all things to all men uh and indeed all women and all uh people who don't identify as either of those things um new year new us new show new me because this year year two of podcasting with red shirts this episode has wait for it it's made me like julian bashir what I actually, Julian Bashir, I actually like him after having watched this episode. I know I was so ready. I was set in my ways to dislike Julian Bashir yeah. forever. And I was very down for it. But something about this episode well, that's interesting, has made me change I think my this opinion. Is, this is um, during the period of time where the actor, Alexander Siddick, had been like, I- I'm not super down for this portrayal of Bashir. Can we give him, you know, more interesting things to do, more characterization and stuff? And this is the curve that leads towards that. So, so this is the start of. This is, I think, the first episode we've watched where Bashir is both significant and in that newer, fresher portrayal that he gets. It's interesting that that's uh, Maddie's immediate take on it. That she prefers Bashir in this because um, we'll get into it in a minute. But the concept of this episode is that Julian Bashir gets stuck in uh, a holodeck program where he's pretending to be James Bond, uh, which is when you break it down, uh, one awful creepy man uh, (laughs) having a sort of living dream scenario trying to be another even more creepier man uh, so you know interesting that it's the one that's made you like him more but you know before we get too far into it nathan would you like to describe the plot of this episode in your patented way yeah um fun fact uh, last episode is the first uh, episodes of red shirt cats where i don't describe the plot of anything in in this way so you know um, back uh, in year two we're back on form Let's get into it. Uh, we open with a tuxedo-wearing Bashir throwing a man through a window uh, before using the champagne given to him by a sexy lady to take out the same bad guy. But before he can make out with the sexy lady, Garrick appears and applauds him. 
Garrick protests. He only just arrived when Bashir says he wants to be rid of him, and also it's totally illegal to invade someone's privacy like this. Uh, Garrick is annoyed that the Holosuite has nicked his boyfriend. Uh, Garrick starts to take the piss out of uh, Julian's inner psyche. Julie agrees to let him say um, uh, through the two hours he has. Garrick points out that the sexy young lady is leaving. He realizes it's his fault. Garrick promises to to the good doctor that he will be a good that they'll have a good time what could possibly go wrong <laughs> Garrick and Julian cut to Hong Kong and the program takes place during the 1960s we learn um, Julian explains he the concept of the Cold War um, and uh, Garrick points out Julian's ability to get across the globe instantly is a tad silly um, he rattles off his personal ballet skills as Garrick spots all the weapons Julian keeps around um, once he continues explaining about the Cold War, uh, Garrick is incensed to learn that he's a spy. His intelligence, Garrick's intelligence work never let him act like this. <laughs> Back on um, DS9, Cisco and the others are returning home. There is a power surge in the warp core. The warp core can't be taken offline. The ejection system has been sabotaged. Mr. Eddington, the Starfleet security chief, beams the crew out of the runabout. The shuttle explodes... Uh, mid-transport and the crew don't seem to be present. Odo and Edison just start discussing the si- situation. Their patterns are in the buffer, but they need to be saved somewhere, and it needs a lot of data. Issue- Eddington issues a command. Wipe all necessary men. Right. The station goes dark. On the whole suite, Garrick is getting dressed, and is still concerned about the ostentatious life of Julian's spy. <laughs> a bed concealed in the wall of the apartment rotates round to reveal a Russian woman... Kira Norris. <laughs> Julian is shocked to see her, especially as the KGB agent Anastasia tries to kiss him. Julian doesn't find this furry. Garrick suggests this isn't Major Norris. The program appears to have been tampered with. Computer control has even been disrupted. Julian contacts Ops and the two discuss the situation. Eddington insists the dogs keep the program running. The transport patterns are being held in the Holosuite memory core. He cannot let the program stop running and he can't harm any of the characters who are his crewmates. In the story of the Hollow program, there are a series of artificial earthquakes that are starting. Because of the global nature of the crisis, the Soviet Union and Great Britain are cooperating. Um, their lead into this crisis is P- Professor Honey Bear, a scientist who has gone missing and it turns out is now Commander Dax. Okay. As Julian realizes this, Chief O'Brien, now taking the role of the evil henchman from before, <laughs> appears with a pistol. Julian and Anastasia kiss, allowing Julian access to an explosive earring and up. Protagonists beat the shit out of the henchman. Yeah. Garrett points out that Miles is now an assassin who will attempt to kill him. Safeties are off. Real spies have to make decisions. He may not be able to save everyone present. But Julian doesn't believe that situation is there yet and leaves Miles, uncon- Miles unconscious. Julian asks Anastasia uh, who, sh- who she thinks kidnapped the professor. Turns out it is Dr. Noah. Well, it's time to go meet him at a French club. <laughs> uh, Eddington talks with uh, Quark and his brother, and they confirm the patterns are locked within the Holosuite. The brain patterns, which have to be stored on the quantum level, are taking up every other bit of computer memory on the station. They will need to combine the brain patterns with the rest of the station and the physical bodies of the Holosuite. Speaking of holograms, Julian is arriving in Paris with Garrick and Kira in his arms. He goes to meet Dr. Noah. They meet Duchamp's. Dr. Noah's associate, in form of Worf. Um, Julian admits he has no invitation and claims to be a leading geologist. He decides to play uh, for the money needed for an invitation. On the station, Odo explains that the terrorist group known as the True Way did the sabotage. Eddington suggests that the Defiant is used to conduct the reintegration, but it will take time to modify it um, with the nightmare mess of a jury-rigged holosuite that uh, Quark runs. Meanwhile, Julian is playing Baccarat. Duchamps renders the group unconscious and takes them to meet Dr. Noah at his lavish estate. The evil Dr. Noah is... <laughs> Captain Sisko. Um, Dr. Noah asks Julian to identify the stones in his collection. He identifies them all and then points out they're on Mount Everest, a very private place. Dr. Noah explains his political uh, philosophy. He believes in an ordinary, uh, an orderly world. Professor Bear and Dr. Noah intend to create such a new ordered world. A new form of laser will penetrate the Earth's crust. <laughs> Worldwide earthquakes will kill everyone but the exceptional people Dr. Noah is keeping at his estate. The molten lava will create a new world! <laughs> a shrunken planet with uh, will result in the oceans flooding mankind anew! The only place above water, Mount Everest, where the base is. 
Eddington has another hour before they can recover all the patterns, and Garrick and Julian have been tied up to a laser. The cave will be filled with lava, killing them both. Dr. Noah needs Anna for um, reproduction, but the two men are to be disposed of. Garrick begins to whine. He doesn't want to die, chained to a 20th century later. He wants to end the program or call for reinforcement. Julian notices Professor Bear and immediately begins flirting, something which Garrick finds totally uh, ludicrous, rolling his uh, eyes at Julian's lines. Dr. Bashir is able to persuade the hot scientist to kiss him and thus pickpockets the keys to the handcuffs. He frees two of them. Garrick notes that this escape method was not taught by the Obsidian Order. <laughs> As uh, Bashir and Garrick escape, the cave starts falling down around them. Dr. Bashir makes a gun from hidden parts, and he explains that Dr. Noah would normally kill one of the two love interests, so he has to go make sure that doesn't happen. Garrick's not having this. Time to cut our losses, the odds are against them, and the only reasonable course of action is to quit. That is how a real spy stays alive, knowing when to walk away. Garrick explains there is no ego, no remorse, just professionalism, and calls for the door. Julian threatens to shoot Garrick if he continues with this course of action. He's no hero, nor is Julian, but he can make a choice. So Julian shoots him. <laughs> it's a superficial world, and he may... Uh, and um, Garrick says, how did you know that wouldn't kill him? What makes you think I wasn't trying? Garrick is rather happy. Julian appears to have learned, and so he <laughs> falls in line. Julian arrives at uh, Dr. Noah's apartment. Mr. Duchamp appears so the evil side has the advantage. Julian didn't kill anyone. The opportunity to save everyone is here, but Dr. Noah is pointing a gun straight at our hero. So Julian says he has converted to his opinion. Dr. Noah laughs at the idea. Bashir argues that he would be defending a doomed planet. The odds are against him, so a good spy knows when to quit. Rom is ready. Neural energy is being transferred, but Dr. Noah wants to kill Bashir. Bashir suggests they need someone like him to wander over to the control console. If you think destroying the console wouldn't work. Um, Bashir says he has no such plan to destroy the console. He wants to use it. He activates the laser sequence and destroys the world. <laughs> Dr. Noah didn't expect to win. The only thing left to do is kill Julian, but just as that happens, the crew are transported out and back to themselves. Garrick compliments Julian on his action. He has to go for lunch in Hong Kong tomorrow, and the episode ends. Yay! <laughs> so fabulous. You know, every episode that we've watched of DS9 before this one, when I've seen Julian, like, I've just had one overriding thought, and that has been, I want that twink obliterated. And I don't mean I don't mean in a good way. I mean I want him duct taped to the warp core and ejected into the gravity well of a neutron star. But in this episode, <laughs> he was so good. Like he he really Yeah, really... but he's playing someone who isn't really him. Yeah, but he actually came into his own as a character making tough choices and not being a total prick about it. And this episode, <laughs> I think, you know, you raised the point that yeah, like James Bond is just, you know, an enormously misogynistic kind of character. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. It was mainly the but 90s. I, I, I want to get right. It could have Sorry, it, it could have fallen so easily into being a misogynistic wish fulfillment fantasy. And it almost is with the way that Kira and Dax basically have no agency and are just mm-hmm. there to be Bond girls. But the reason it doesn't fall into that is because Alexander Siddig's acting is so good. That all the way through this episode, at every single moment, I truly believe that the thing at the forefront of Julian's mind, that everything he was concentrating on was how to keep his friends alive and like what he had to do next and what he had to work out and how to put it in action to save their lives and to commit to saving every single one of them, even when Garrick was trying to manipulate him and whining and bitching on his shoulder about telling him yeah, to kill off Yeah, I Miles. totally agree. Even I, when I, he's I, like going to kiss... Kira and Dax, it could so easily have just, and it almost did just become my like, oh, for God's sake, you know, like, oh, I'm finally getting to kiss Dax, even though she's rejecting me. <laughs> like, creepy wish fulfillment fantasy. But you could see, like, the look on his face was a look of, like, this was my fantasy, but this is all wrong. This is not my fantasy. I'm having to do this to keep us all alive. She, You know, she's professional. She's not going to care when we get out of this that we made out because we had to. Um, but he, he at, at every moment, I really believed. Yeah that he was doing it for the 
right reasons because he was clever and he had his heart in the right place and was working really really damn hard to get out of there so that yeah, made and, me respect him i think respect there are two things i want to i want to say about why why i think this episode works despite being based on um i think it's fair to say a work with completely different values to start oh with. yes um, oh yeah <laughs> um the the first one is is exactly what you said i think an element to they, they were working out that Ju- how Julian's character is different, and it's common trait in almost all Star Trek Doctors to want to save everyone and work really hard mm-hmm. to get everyone safe. The difference, I think, with Julian that they've finally pinned down by this point is that he's the naive newbie. Like, you know, Dr. McCoy and Dr. Crusher have both lost a lot of patience despite their best efforts. That experience largely hasn't happened to Julian yet. I mean, it will throughout the series, but it hasn't. So he's like, you know, he, he's got that like mentality of he can do this in almost everything. And you really see it in this episode. The second thing is, from a meta point of view, the actors were very involved in picking their preferred roles for the Holo program. So Nana Visitor lists this as one of her favourite episodes and loves the role because she was just like, the the one of her first uh, quotes was an unrealistic accent was required. <laughs> like she was like, I'm, if 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 I'm playing a bod girl, this is the bod girl I'm playing. Like, and 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 so all of the and and like um, Avery with uh, Brooks as well was like, no, nope, I want to play the villain. Excellent. I want to be the villain. I want to like go as like ludicrous as I as I can with it. And you see it all the way through. Like all the way through, you're like, yeah, this is what a spy novel. Yes. Is. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like all the way through, you're like. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, obviously he doesn't just shoot him, he ties him to the laser. <laughs> yeah. um, like, yeah. obviously, like, you know, and, and so, um, like, I think a reason it doesn't fall down is because you you either know or I think you pick up on through their acting the fact the actors are all happy in the yeah, I think you're right. roles they have been given. Because it's quite, it, like... If they weren't, there's a lot of bad shit going on. The the two the two women are completely objectified. The black man is evil. Yes. The two black men are evil. Sorry, because uh, even though he's an alien, Wolf is still played by a person of color, and the other evil villain is the Irish man. <laughs> yes, the comical so Irish good. villain. Like so yes, so you like know, if the Irishman, the Irishman uh, with a capital T and a capital I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, he's he's man. been given. He, he, yeah. I mean, can we talk about Miles O'Brien in this episode for a second? Oh, right? my yeah, lord. Sure. I fucking loved him the in this, right? I want him to be like that. I would watch an entire series yeah. where Miles O'Brien played that character. The moment where he, where the bad guys like come around the corner shooting and then the camera pans and then Miles steps around the corner wearing an <laughs> eye patch. I, I, know, I was beside so myself. <laughs> so I, I loved eye patch. I love the eye patch. I love the fact that they've just made him look like a member of the IRA. Like they just don't give a shit. They've just gone. Oh, what he's with Irish. an we'll eye patch a... with an eagle on it? Is that? Is that? <laughs> well, no. But the rest of him, he's holding. He's holding like a, a like an AK forty seven, and he's wearing all black, and he's you know, it's it's very yeah. sort of like oh, we'll give the Irish guy an IRA vibe, uh, and then yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. But I do, life. but I do love it, and I think he like because they are. I, I think you're right, Nathan. Because they're all aware they're playing a stereotype of a character from a James Bond film, um, and like, let's not be coy. It, it is definitely a parody of James Bond specifically. It's not a parody of like spy movies in general. It's, it's very specifically James Bond. Oh, yeah, I think. obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they they wanted to use some James Bond type stuff. Well, well, MGM MGM sent them a cease and desist letter. Essentially, a very strongly worded. That's why we never get it back. Like, there's never another full episode because they do the teaser thing where they're like, "I think he may return." Yeah, and it's like, uh, but he he only does as a like as like single scenes or cutaways and 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 references. Yeah, well, there's another episode. Killjoys uh, at MGM, absolute killjoys. (laughs) Let Julian Bashir be Bond. Uh, well, there was uh, the, there is another episode apparently in the next series where they wanted to do a sort of sequel to this, but because of what MGM had said, they had to like scale it right back so that it was like hardly at all mm. uh, like a Bond reference anymore. Whereas like this one, I mean, the references to Bond are all the way through it. But you know, there, there's, I mean, there's the line where he says the name's Bashir, Julian Bashir, <laughs> which is you know <laughs> fucking excellent. Um, 
and then the there's the the fact that they're all stereotypes, you know, there's the the women have all got sort of sexually suggestive names like Honey uh, Bear, Honey Bear, and um, Come on over, Come on and off. yeah. Come but because it, it's because it, it, it's like I, I I thought that was meant to be a pun on the phrase man enough, like mm-hmm. Come on off, but um, I, but I couldn't quite work it out, which is what all of the best Bond names are like anyway. <laughs> um, and then you know. Avery Brooks, who, by the way, I think is excellent in this, his acting is really strong. Um, and I would much prefer the series if Cisco was just like the, the <laughs> Doctor Noah at, at all points. But like, um, that's so like funny because I thought that he was just delivering straight Cisco. I found very <laughs> different, little difference between this well, and like, average Cisco. I, 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 all the way through, um, it's he, he's like whispering like a. Like a throaty version of himself, yeah. which is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But he's he's doing a sort of a, a, a quite a good. It's like a parody, but like not. It, it's more of like an homage, I mm-hmm. guess, than a parody Passage, to, yeah. yeah, to the to the actor who um, who's never forgotten, but he played Doctor No in the original Doctor No yeah. Bond film, who obviously. Pr- Professor Noah, whatever his name is, oh, cool. is, is meant. Yeah. He's obviously meant yeah. to be a, a parody of that character. I mean, from even from the way he dresses and stuff, and but like oh, also yes, the things he yes, talks about. He do- yeah, the yeah, stupid um, coat that he's wearing. Yeah, I was going to question that because I thought his coat was a bit was a bit crap. Uh, yes. but, but now I see that actually it's a reference to Doctor No, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I love the fact that the writers went, uh, "Oh, we want a character like Doctor No. What are we going to call him?" Uh, pro- professor, that's a bit like doctor, isn't it? Okay, what about we can't call him Professor? Yes, so <laughs> that would gonna... have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> so and then they've gone. What are we going to do? Um, put a, put a letter at the end of no. Which which letter? <laughs> ah, first letter. That seems fine. Yeah, but also he's, he's he's Noah, and his job is to flood the world. Yes, exactly. <gasps> yeah, there is that. Whoa, that's so clever. <laughs> oh how, my god! How did you not pick oh up on that, Maddie? <laughs> His Bio name is Hippocrates Noah. He's called Hypocritical <laughs> Noah. Like that's his okay, name. Look, sorry, because I just thought Hippocrates, and I was like, why is there a yeah. reference to Greek physicians? In the... anyway, well, I again, loved his plan. Doctor No. I loved his plan that he was flooding the world by using space lasers to like make lava explode and cause colossal earthquakes. <laughs> I think that's so cool. I actually love that plan. I think that plan's fantastic. <laughs> I, it is. It's quite good, actually, and it's it sort of like stitched two plans from real Bond films together to to turn into like this thing. But it's also kind of like the the the, the evil plan that Lex Luthor has in the first Superman movie, it's where also... he wants to like flood part of America so that he can create a, a new country that he's in charge of, and he can sell property on it. Like, oh, it's uh, also. Oh. I was going to say it's like uh, it's um, sorry. Hang on one minute. It's like, I think it's like the plan of Lucy Diamond in Debs when she's like, Australia's toast, and she tries to sink Australia. <laughs> Just I for have no, no idea what any of those references are. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So I have very little James Bond like references in my head to draw on because I've only seen about two or three James Bond films. Full <laughs> so, disclosure. So your, so your my, secret agent references are all like Agent Cody Banks and yes, Spy my, Kids. My, <laughs> my secret agent references are number one Spy Kids, number two Debs. If you've not seen Debs, stop listening to this podcast, pause it and go no, and watch no, Debs don't right do now. That. Don't, don't do that. Debs no, listen to the a, end of this and then go and watch Debs. Debs is like a lesbian rom-com parody spy film from 2004 that is just the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life and the villain's evil plan involves sinking the continent of australia because quote i don't like their attitude unquote (laughs) (laughs) excellent um so it it's it's basically just a film about racism (laughs) can we get back to star trek (laughs) one of the other good um bond things that they pastiche in this is the the sort of um the snide remark that bond makes after he kills someone in a particular way like you know in uh i I think it's dr no or spy love me or something like that where someone gets uh shot with a a harpoon and he goes i think he got the point (laughs) stuff stuff like that right that that's like a big thing and there's a, a, a julian says one here where 
in that excellent scene where he shoots somebody with the champagne cork. Um, oh, that's so funny. Holy he shit, He fires a champagne so cork out and it hits... Uh, who is it that he, he hits with it? Is it? It's the Falcon, but it's yes. the Falcon before... Colmini. Before he's yes. Colmini. And so he hits the Falcon with the the champagne cork that's shot out of the bottle and it knocks him out. Uh, and then Julian Bashir looks at the camera and goes, bit more kick than you'd expect for an old Dom. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, just to reassure the listeners, we don't mean that he actually uh, he knocked out Sam Wilson, aka Captain America. We are specifically talking about Miles O'Brien with an eye patch. But the- I just want to talk briefly about because um, immediately after that you get uh, Garrick's introduction, <gasps> and I just want to talk about this entire. Like I saw a Tumblr post that was this episode, but from Garrick's perspective, yeah. is wild. Because what happens is, like, your boyfriend has missed, uh, like, all of your lunch dates for the past, like, two weeks. Um, You go onto his Steam account and you see that he has been playing this new game and he's there at the moment. You download it and join him and you find out that the game is him LARPing your old career. (laughs) And And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, pretending to be me, but also you've got all of these sexy women you're seducing. <laughs> right, I'm going to see where you are in this game. Oh, you're seducing a woman right now, are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> and then throughout the rest of the episode, you, you, you're just like watching him basically wish he was you, but he's not spending time with you. There is like... no heterosexual explanation for Garrick's behaviour in this episode. Like, oh, well, the actor played him as gay. Look, it is, the actor, it is like... entirely batshit that Garrick was like, oh, right, okay, Julian is literally within a sex fantasy right now. Therefore, I am going to go in, join him, and interrupt him. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then no, the, the actor, oh. the actor who played Garrick, when he got, like, the brief, because, like, Garrick's first episode where he's, like, introduced properly and there's a focus on him, because I think he's, he's, he's introduced earlier, but, like, as a character, he is introduced as a significant, you know, person. Yeah is the episode where he befriends Julian Bashir mm-hmm. and decides to eat lunch with him. And he basically just sits down and invites him. And then gets Julian involved in some of his spy schemes yeah. just for fun. Um, and he sits down. The... I've seen that scene because someone like put the Wii theme music over it and it went viral on Twitter. That is a scene <laughs> of Garrick like, repeatedly sexually intimidating Julian. Like That is what that yeah. scene is. It's intense. Yeah. And... Um, but, like, the actor read the script, got, like, all the information about his upcoming role and Garrick's backstory and the planned interactions between him and Julian. And he just went, oh, cool, so we're playing Star Trek's first gay couple. <laughs> um, and, and, like, the producers were always like, no, 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 you're not. Like, like stop. And, and he would just be like, nah. Um, like, uh, like he was just like, nah, I, I'm gonna... Like, and he just plays Garrick as gay, like... The, the producers and directors were constantly being like, please, please stop it. And he was like, no. <laughs> 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 uh, like, you know, like, he, I, I saw another, like, Tumblr post not so long ago that was like, I just like a queer-coded um, anti-hero type, like, on your side, but not nice. And someone just posted a gif of uh, Garrick smiling and it goes, I believe that's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Robinson. Like, I love the fact yeah. that Garrick comes in and starts off having the time of his life because he's just needling Julian, he's manipulating him, he's intimidating, he's getting in his personal space and what have you that he likes to do. Within about 10 minutes, Garrick is in like his worst nightmare and then he just has to go with it for the rest of the episode. He's like, heh heh heh. He, like, does Garrick have nothing better to do? Doesn't he have some darning to to do in his tailor's shop does he not have some like <laughs> shoes to rearrange but no he just has to come in embarrass julian and then get stuck with him whining and moaning and bitching and griping for the full episode so fantastic yeah andrew Robinson did a great job and yeah so now i now i like julian um so julian has like been knocked off the fuckboy rankings so admiral archer and uh, Tom Paris are, are shooting to the top because they've got like no competition now. So Julian has like gone somewhere to the bottom of like the soft boy rankings. That's fine. He can stay over there. But this episode has also taught me, and I think the last few episodes that uh, I'm sorry, Jake, 
but it has to be said, I think that DS9 is a better show than TNG. What? There, I said it. I said it. What? I like. I'm sorry. I like I'm, DS9 I'm, I'm gonna more. Have to, right, I'm going to have to get AC12 involved in this because, like, what? I, I'm launching a, an investigation <laughs> into corruption, institutionalized corruption within the Red Shirts cast. <laughs> I like. How, how possibly can you prefer this to TNG? I like. I think. I don't know what it is. I think I like the characters so you, more you, and I like the know. episodes we watch more. I think they've been more funny. I think they've been more interesting. On TNG, I like Picard. I like Data. I like Worf. And I'm pretty lukewarm about literally everyone else. In DS9, <laughs> even now that I'm slowly being converted to Julian, I actually like everyone. Except that Eddington bloke. I don't know who the fuck he is. But like, yeah. I like everyone. I think they're all cool. Even Odo. Even, I love Odo. I think he's fab. And I love that there's more aliens. And I love that they have, like, two strong women instead of just Troy being fucking shit at a job and Bev doing <laughs> fuck all in the med suite. Like, I love it. So, yeah, DS9 rules. TNG drools. Get wrecked, losers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Okay, look, I... I People are allowed differing opinions, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's just that some of those opinions will be wrong. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I think that this is one of those situations. Um, but I appreciate you did give a good explanation for why you thought it was better. So I'm will i I'll, I'm less annoyed than, than I was going to be. But I, I still don't really like it. Um, but, it but this is the second episode of, T- of DS9 you like. Because you've not yet said you dislike this episode. That's you've true. generally been pretty positive. Well, here we like, go. I'm not going to... I dislike I, this episode. Even I, as a DS9 fan, I'm not going to, like, claim this is, like, the stellar example of why DS9 is a good no, series. No, of course. It's a fun episode. Like, it's a fun episode. I'm really glad we watched it. But it, it, it holds to me, like, the same status to me as, like, something like A Fistful of Datas in yes. DSG. Just, like, very silly, well, basically harmless, but not brilliant. Well, yeah, like, so... What this, this is significantly th- th- better than Picard and his Merry Men, that shit show that we watched like a few months yes. back. This is well better than that. But I, I, the point I was going to make uh, is that in, in response to you saying that you prefer this to, TN, uh, to TNG, um, I, I think that this... I like this episode because it is closer to TNG than some of the other DS9 we've watched. Um, okay, like, yeah. Okay, I, fair, it, fair. It really reminded me of some of the holodeck episodes in TNG, like uh, like the Dixon Hill stories with Picard and the um, which, Sherlock and the Sherlock Holmes ones, uh, which I obviously love because I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Um, and this reminded me of those stories, Fair. and I liked that about it. Um, and we, we, we'll and fistful of daters as well, obviously. But we, we'll do some of those in in the near future, I imagine. But like, I think that's that, yeah. So I'm not. Although it, I am slowly starting to to come round to, to thaw, DS9 a little to bit, to mellow, I'm we'll thawing on it a little bit. There. Yeah, we'll but get it's, you it's there. still it's still my least favourite of the of all of the Star Trek series that we've done. Even, even Enterprise, even, even Enterprise, Enterprise. That is high praise for Enterprise. Somewhere, Scott Bakula is sitting in a chair with a single tear running down his face that someone actually <laughs> thinks that his show is better than DS9 because that <laughs> has never be fair, happened before in the history a, of the human race. It'd be that, that that's how they actually got that shot when Scott Bakula was in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where you, you see him crying <laughs> at a window. They got that shot. Someone, Someone had just like, told him that one person Oi, mate, likes... Enterprise shit. And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... Yeah, but I'm, I am slowly warming to, to, to DS9 and think episodes like this are helping. And to be fair, I think the more we do on the podcast, the more I'm likely to do it. So listeners... If you want to, and when I say listeners, I do mean Tom B. Um, if you want to tell me which episodes of DS9 I need to watch to make me become a diehard fan of DS9 from the position that I'm in at the minute, let me know on Twitter at RedShirtsCast and I will make a point of watching them and then we will discuss them on the podcast and we'll see if you can turn me into a DS9 fan. Oh, well, so, so are you proposing that the next episode we watch is like, 
PS9 episodes that the listeners have recommended. Yes, I would love to do that. We I think I need that. to get a We should broadest... do a run. Like maybe not the next one, but we'll 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 get I, I, I think we should get people to tweet and comment and, and yes. what have you. Okay. The, I'm up the for that. episodes of DS9 and I will pick like and then I will be the like quality control. I'll <laughs> yes. pick three of them. Okay. I say. Are you prepared to what to do like three DS9 episodes? I'm prepared to do that. Yes, yes. I'm so, so my body right. my body is ready. Yeah. <laughs> so, li- listeners, if you get in touch with us on Twitter um, at RedShirtsCast, or email us or any other way, yes, uh, you, you can email RedShirtsCast at gmail.com or send us an, a message on IG at RedShirtsCast as well. Um, and let us know the episodes of DS9 that you think I should watch, uh, and we will compile them. And Nathan will pick the ones that we're going to do, and then that will be, uh, if not next week, the week after. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. That's going to be cool. <laughs> but back- Back to this episode. Yes, um, Kira's Russian accent. Yes, Kira's well, Russian accent is so, so funny. Nana visitor um, in an interview that I read uh, basically said that she loved doing this episode um, because, and I quote, "How often do you get to do a bad Russian accent on purpose?" <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, like it was great. I think she was she was really good at it. She. Obviously, was really enjoying herself while she was playing that character. I think maybe she had some sort of like, uh, like secret, like secret desire to want to be a Bond girl when she was younger, maybe, and that's being really explored here because she 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 nails it. She gets it right on in terms of the way that these characters used to be in the Bond films. I think uh, this episode also proves that Garrick now secretly wants to be a Bond girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's when okay. uh, when Julian is like snogging everyone, and then Garrett gets so pissy about it, and he's like, Wee! "Me, me, 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 this isn't what <laughs> yeah. a real spy should be doing." And the Julian gets says, right up in his face and is like, "Privacy, if I could." Yeah, have I bruised your ego? I'm like, "Oh, yeah, you have. Somebody <laughs> is a little bit jealous." Well, this is my head canon for this episode, right? Is that um, that Garrick has his own. Hollow Suite program <gasps> where he's where, James where Bond he's the, and Julian. No, where, no, where he's the Bond girl and Julia Bashir is still James <laughs> oh Bond. Oh my goodness, yes, that is such a good headcanon because I was watching this episode like, look, I love this, I'm enjoying this, I think it's funny, I think it's good, I think Alexander Siddig is doing a great, is like really turning yeah. it up. But, like, why can we not have the Dax and Worf men in black hollow sweet fantasy? Like, where's that, I mean, that when you need it? Wouldn't that be banging? But that yeah, would be good. I think it is really cool that they got... I mean, obviously, they've got the British guy to play James Bond, but Alexander Siddig is also Sudanese. So I think just extrapolating from the fact that I would get a massive kick if this episode had been Jadzia Dax <laughs> playing James Bond... I imagine that, that this cool. episode was really cool and empowering for a lot of people to watch in the 90s. So, uh, like, I went down a little bit of an Alexander Siddig Wikipedia hole. Do you mm-hmm. know what his Do you oh, know yeah. what his full name is? No. Oh, it's uh, go on. It's really Siddig cool. Al Tahir Al Fadil El Siddig Abdurrahman Mohammed Ahmed Abdel Karim El Mahdi. I mean, solid, <laughs> solid name. Like, holy motherfucking shit! Okay, Jake. Fun mm-hmm. fact. About yes. Alexander Siddig. Uh, also, Jane, this is specifically for you. His mum is the sister of, wait for it, Malcolm McDowell. What? <laughs> I know. What? And his dad is like the nephew of the Sudanese prime minister. I mean, that's <laughs> mad. That's uh, Not only do we have a Star Trek reference there, because Malcolm McDowell is obviously the man who killed Captain Kirk, um, but also... He he's is literal what, royalty. royalty. He's, he's like literal Sudanese royalty, almost. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's ridiculous. He's like... Clear, that is he's a actually good a ridiculous human being, like, um, when you read, like, his Wikipedia page. So, yeah. Big Fun fan fact. of those facts. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well... I, yeah, I think he does such a good job in this episode, and him, because I think you're right that you, you do see a bit more of him than you, we have seen in the past as a character, um, and I, I wonder how much of that was. Well, because I know Nathan, so you've said a, that he was. Yeah, so there's an interesting fan theory 
that not mine, but I I I, I subscribe to it about this episode because um, a big part of the later character I've alluded to is the fact that Julian was genetically modified, right? Um, to be the more intelligent because he was struggling from they don't specifically say, but some kind of learning difficulty, and his parents were like shamed and embarrassed and they and they modified him illegally and, and Bashir like loves his parents but he he really doesn't like that decision mm-hmm. and he is constantly trying to underperform slightly so like he comes second in his because because it's illegal to do that kind of genetic modification yeah. in for 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 you know in augmentation reasons in the federation it's legal for life-saving stuff but not not just to make yourself smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah not like eugenics. Um, so he, he is very scared of what will happen if he is found out. And when he is found out, almost nothing happens because everyone recognises it's not his fault. But the um, that he, he tries to come second, so he's, you know, um, trying... He, every game he tries to come second in, he doesn't do brilliantly at, and, and he plays this kind mm. of awkward is that, person. Is that what you were doing in the quiz last week, Nathan? <laughs> no, um, the but he the the fan theory because this episode is before that was you know revealed slash canon because it directly comes out about uh-huh. Alexander Siddig wanting more for Bashir to do and more interesting portrayal for Bashir. Uh, the fan theory is that the reason he likes this spy thing where he's the center of the universe. Um, isn't just because of the psyche things Garrick like needles him about. It's because he can just use his abilities freely. Mm-hmm. Like you know, some some part of it is the character, but it's also just like you know, yeah, no, I can I can make these like ridiculous trick shots. I can um, beat war like, for a game like, of poker. You know, I can card count. Yeah, like yeah, I can card count. Like I've got that. Because uh, he he's not massively physically augmented, but he, his reflexes and and fine motor skills are said to be better. So he's a good surgeon. But obviously that like so there's a lot of stuff he does in the in the hollow program when it's playing out normally that are like oh that's that and I like that fan theory. I just think it is interesting and it adds an interesting layer as to why he would choose yeah this hollow program as a way of relaxing because he he could drop his guard and. No one that like sees him or participates in the program with him is going to think it's unusual because the pro- the computer is, you know, designed to let him win. Mm-hmm. So, this is making yeah. I just thought it was an interesting theory. It's making me like him more and more. Actually, the more you explore mm. that, I think that's really cool. You know how like you said, Cisco Avery Brooks, sorry, really wanted to play the villain in this episode, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. And like I, said, I do <laughs> genuinely think he was just delivering. You know in. In the pale moonlight, when Cisco gets drunk and like yes. rants about his evil plan that he did with Garrick, this is—I just think that that's just what he he was doing in that role. It wasn't any different from Cisco being like, "I made that choice and I'd make it again. I will <laughs> blow up the world." Anyway, yeah, I would be really interested to know, like, what would the nineties USA audience reaction have been if um, Cisco was James Bond in this? I think it because I think it would be really positive, and I think that would be really interesting because it just was making me think about James Bond and remember like back when Daniel Craig was saying like, you know, I'm gonna step down from the role and everyone was like Idris Elba, Idris Elba, and like seventy percent of everyone in Britain was like, yeah boy, and then thirty percent of people were like, Ree! I just think yes. it yeah. it would be a really interesting comparison because I reckon everyone would have loved it in America. And like Star Trek fans, if Cisco had been James Bond, so I am still rooting for the the sequel to this, where Kira or Dax is James Bond. You know, hello, can we bring that back? I would like to see that. That, that would be good. I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see Kira as James Bond. I think she would make a a really interesting version of a spy type character because I don't think she's sort of naturally in the show got. A, the kind of suaveness mm-hmm. or, or that that Bond is supposed to have, mm-hmm. that that which is the suaveness that I think um, Bashir likes to think he has in <laughs> reality, but he doesn't really, and that's why he sort of does this character in in yeah. this particular way because he he wants to, he does this uh, this hollow suite 
program specifically because he thinks he can get away with being like that type of well, character in the Hollow Suite. Yeah, it's wish fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I don't think Kira would be like that. I think Kira would be like, uh, like I don't know, like Inspector Morse or something. Get angry, just like really, punch you in the like, face. Yeah, yeah, or, or something like that. Kick yeah. the door down. Oi, mate, put your trousers on, you're nicked. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Kira would be like uh, like Al Pacino in Serpico. <laughs> like... Uh, is it is it Al Pacino or Robert De Niro? I can't remember, but um, whichever one played Serpico, who's just like angry, growly voiced, gonna clean up the streets type character. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So I actually think this is where like I know that you um, Nathan explained that Terry and Nana really enjoyed playing their Bond girl characters in this episode, but the Bond girls do have no agency and they are just like completely objectified. So I, my yeah. head canon is that there are two secret episodes of Star Trek that never got aired but exist out there, which is like the sequel to this episode, where in the following episode there's a terrible transporter accident once again and everyone gets stuck in a hollow suite where Dax is playing out of fantasy in which she is the Highlander and there can only be <laughs> one. And then she just snogs and shags and like kills her way across the Cairngorms while all the men just stand around being useless, being like, oh, oh thank you for saving me. Oh, blah, blah. And she's like, <laughs> nay, bother, laddie. Do you want to go have a roll in that pit over there? Well, I- it's not like Highlander, but there is this real weird early TNG episode, uh, which is a matriarchy and just odd. Like it, it, it so like I can barely remember that episode, but it's so strange about how like, <laughs> like they 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 have like sexual dimorphism, but all the men are like smaller, and like it's just a really <laughs> weird episode of like the Enterprise trying to make contact with this. Uh, thing which I think is some like um, very like angry uh, put upon straight white man writer writing a like all these feminists are awful. Kind of <laughs> um, but yeah, you know. yeah. If Maddie, we had true gender equality, we would have had the Jansia Dax Highlander Holosuite, and then we would have <laughs> had the like Kira Neris Jane Eyre Holosuite, in which like oh, well, Mister Rochester seen... is just topless all the time with no explanation. <laughs> no, Maddie, Maddie. Have you seen the uh, scene where um, uh, Kira and Jadzia meet Worf? No, but I want to watch it because the how I was right. going to tell you that the Kira Neris Jane Eyre Holosuite fantasy ends is that Ben Sisko, Mr. Rochester, who's just Toby Stevens, he's in there for no reason <laughs> other than it's a wish fulfillment yeah. fantasy, have a foursome with, <laughs> with Kira and... Yeah, just put Dax in there as well. And that's that's the perfect female wish fulfillment fantasy. So it's obviously misogyny and Rick Burns' fault that we didn't get that episode. (laughs) But it exists out there and someone can please direct me to it if there's like a fan fiction version I want to see it. So um the the see like what I was gonna tell you about um the war. Kira meeting because it because it, it plays out sim- like you don't see the actual program you see them coming out of it but it plays out similar to what you've been describing um, so like Kira Jadzia is on this whole thing about like Kira you've got to relax in hollow suites and like you know let yourself be pampered let yourself just not be this like totally badass woman all the time it's exhausting and you're gonna hurt yourself like you mm-hmm. know you can be tough outside but like you know relax here. So what, um, um, what like Chadzia is doing is takes her to Camelot to play like princesses to be wooed by knights, <gasps> and and oh, they come out and they're arguing, and Chadzia is like, "Why did you punch him?" And, <laughs> uh, and and Akira goes, "I'm a married woman. Lancelot tried to kiss me. He's married too." <laughs> it's like what? And, oh, and so like you you and like this is how Worf meets them. And it's just, like, brilliant, because you can just perfectly imagine the scene of, like, Jadzia being like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sexy lady, fight over me, <laughs> and then, like, And then, like, the, the, one of the men tries to snog Kira, and she's like, you're married! <laughs> That's so on-brand Kira. I love it. I love how, like, yeah. I don't know if, like, uptight isn't the right word, but she's got this, like, really dogmatic sense of principle and yes. will and will fight you to yeah. the death and claw your eyes out over it. And I love that about her. I just yeah. think it's fantastic. She's great in that. She's so fiery. I love it. Oh. Um, 
like I said, I now actually like Julian. I no longer think he's a little shitty twink boy who needs to be obliterated. Uh, I actually, I think I, I, I understood Garrosh here before, but now I'm like actually on board. I'm like, cool. I will actually ship this now. Like you've persuaded me. I'm, I'm on the ship. It's set sail. Uh, yeah, and DS9 rules, TNG drools. I'm just going to keep saying that to wind Jacob. <laughs> we have to talk about who in this episode is most likely to suck their own cock. Yes, I we do. I think we know that just historically James Bond desperately tries it on every occasion when he's alone. Oh, yeah, it. but Falcon. Falcon and Duchamps have both got that. Oh, energy. Falcon! Yes, Miles O'Brien, come through! Falcon just nowhere is too busy with his, like, grand speeches, but, but the Falcon is like... <laughs> I can't get all the women that Julia Bishy yeah, has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, can you imagine Dr. Noah was like, I will flood the earth! And like, making this grand speech to all his minions, and then behind him in the corner, Miles is just desperately just, trying just, to suck his own cock. <laughs> he just, he, Dr. Noah keeps getting distracted because all he can hear is like, noises from Miles just going like, <laughs> like trying to reach down, occasionally I gets his get lip on it. I can't get any further! <laughs> it's too far! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's that's answered that. Uh, of course, also we've got to ask the Klim question, um, which uh, listeners, if you didn't know, uh, Klim is a space version of a Karen. Uh, so we'd like to ask in every episode, uh, who in this episode is most likely to have asked to speak to the manager? Garrick. Garrick spent the entire episode demanding to speak to the manager and getting so pissy yeah. when Julian refused to let him out of there. Yes, exactly. Like, I'm starting to realise that since we've started this segment on the podcast, there's always a character in every episode of Star Trek that wants to speak to a manager at some point. <laughs> like, like literally, like, that is the point of the... Of the it's not like a, a metaphor or something. There's someone who wants to speak to somebody who isn't allowed to to speak to that person in, in every episode. And that is definitely Garak in this episode. Julian, I, I demand that you let me out of here at once. <laughs> 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 and to a lesser extent as well I think uh, the Falcon is the kind of person who would want he always what? wants to speak well I think he wants to speak to his manager being uh, Noah Dr. Noah because uh, he's like like oh how how are Professor Noah let us have a bit more to do come on give us a, give us some more jobs how are Professor right, Noah's there like my evil plan and then the Falcon's <laughs> like we could have been anything that we wanted to be <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's enough for this episode. Um, I've really enjoyed this. It's been lovely. Uh, we're back again next week. I uh, don't know exactly what we'll be watching. Uh, but as, as we said earlier, if you could get in touch on Instagram or uh, Twitter at RedShirtsCast uh, or on email RedShirtsCast at gmail.com and uh, suggest to us the episodes of DS9 that you think that I should watch that should make me uh, into a DS9 fan. Um, and we will... Uh, sort those out and and, and pick some and, and we'll be watching those in the next couple of weeks um, so please do that uh, other than that though all that's left to say is live long and prosper and goodbye goodbye Bye.